Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. For today's episode, I invited Kim Cook to talk about her experiences of talking with youth and parents regarding having honest talks with another person regarding human sexuality topics. She has a nursing and health education background in which we actually met at a school health education conference back, I think it was in 2015, Kim. I think you're right. When we met, we noted this very authentic connection in which we both believe that parents and other caregivers can be supported as well as be be provided tools to help talk with their children and youth. So before I continue, Kim, would you mind saying hi to our audience today and tell us a little bit more about who you are? Yes. Thank you for this opportunity to chat with you, Lori. I'm really looking forward to it. Again, my name is Kim Cook, and essentially, I started out as an elementary school nurse, was very excited about the health aspect, obviously, and decided to go back to college to become a certified health education teacher. I earned my certification as a health education specialist, but while I was in the classroom with the students, I realized that the students are very receptive to excellent sex education. However, the parents were given some, giving me some pushback. And I thought, wow, this has got to change. So I kind of jumped out of that realm and into um, entrepreneurship. I started a business, Teen World Confidential, which was an opportunity for me to talk to parents about talking to their kids openly and honestly about sex and relationships. I published a book, Teen World Confidential, which is still available on Amazon. But interestingly, I had yet another vision I decided that as I was sitting working all by my lonesome, I thought, wow, I bet there are other sex education professionals just like me who are focused on, who are family centered, focused on talking to parents about talking to their kids about sex. And we're all working in these silos. Why don't we come together? So I have started the Sex Education Alliance, which is a professional community just like that. And I'm excited because Lori is also a member. So we have many opportunities to engage with one another. Uh, It is a global community and it is growing and we are making great strides when it comes to reaching out to families and talking about healthy relationships and sexuality. Thank you for telling us more. And thank you so much for your time today, Kim. It's nice to see you too. I haven't seen you face-to-face in years, so it's nice to see you. What's really neat too regarding Kim, and this is, I think, where we had this connection, is she understood when I had first met her that we can start teaching children at a younger age in which we met at this conference again. I was doing a presentation on the research I had done for my dissertation in which I spoke with parents of third, fourth, and fifth graders regarding their conversations on age and developmentally appropriate human sexuality topics, like using the body part terms that we typically use of it's a penis, it's a vulva kind of thing. Do we talk about healthy relationships and different kinds of families, that kind of stuff, and and how we can better wash our hands and start having healthy practices regarding unhealthy germ transmission? 
So it's that kind of stuff. And Kim and I could have these conversations that, yeah, well, let's start these conversations earlier. So I, I again, appreciate all the work that you're doing. Before we, we go more about advice for parents and caregivers, do you call your puberty experience? And if you do, do you mind sharing a little bit about it? Because to me, this is where too, where some people feel more connected because they're like, oh yeah, I went through that. I agree. It's kind of fun sharing stories because we realize we're not alone. And this is an important parent piece too. Share your stories with your kids. But honestly, I don't remember all that much about the transition into puberty. I do remember thinking, I was 13 when I started uh, my menstruating. And I, I remember my friends, I was like, oh gosh, it's kind of weird. Look at the blood coming out. What do we do? Oh my gosh. But also fascinated, like, oh my God, that means they're like adults. So it was kind of exciting, but kind of scary. But as any of us who have gone through puberty or uh, started their periods, no, you kind of get used to it. It is what it is. You get used to it and you move on. But I do have one really embarrassing story. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Okay. I'm going to share. (laughs) Yeah. Because you know what? If we don't share these stories and let people know what happens to everybody, people are mortified and embarrassed. And we have to understand it's part of the human experience. So my story is back when I was in high school, and this is in the late 70s. This was actually before um, the sticky pads became really popular, right? So when I was in high school, we had belted pads. One day in school, I put my belted pad on, but unfortunately, I didn't realize I had flipped it upside down. So the absorbent part of the pad was on the bottom and the barrier side of the pad was against my perineum. Well, you can guess what happened Um, about an hour later, all of a sudden there was some leakage happening on either end of the pad. I was mortified. I had to go to the gym locker, change into these hideous orange and white pants that for whatever reason I had stuffed in the locker and I had to wear those the rest of the day. Now imagine this orange and white pants, what top could possibly match that? But you know what? I got through it. I laugh about it to this day and I'm grateful for sticky pads, diva cups and things underwear now because we have come a long way. (laughs) I am very fortunate that I started with the pads with the adhesive. I didn't have to deal with the belts. So I'm very fortunate with that. However, I know when I was first taught of things and it was in the fifth grade, uh, it was in Miss Wilson slash Boland's class because she had gotten married that year. Um, They gave us this pamphlet and they talked about how you can't go swimming and you have to be careful about other stuff. And I wish I had saved that because to share with younger people that we have come forward. We do know you can go swimming. You know, if you feel comfortable, go swimming and you can wear a diva cup if you choose to wear a tampon. But if you're in the water for a little while, you might choose not to, you know, wear things, just change as soon as you come out of the water or something. But we have come a longer way, which is really neat. And well, you've also raised three girls. Yes, I have. You, yes, um, I have. You want to share any of those experiences? And I know you, Kim, you're also respectful to your daughters. So yes. Please don't share anything that, that would be not helpful in your relationship with your beautiful daughters. No, they are fantastic young adults. And I am, I'm so grateful for the privilege to have been able to raise them because they, they really are, they're, they're amazing young women. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot from them. I don't remember specifically. So with the three daughters, about three school years apart, you know, it was a long puberty transition, about a decade. 
So I don't remember specific instances, just I remember enjoying the journey. I remember, you know, talking them through different things and helping them, uh, supporting them as they went through different issues. Some of them had severe menstrual cramps and kind of helping with that piece of it. But I don't remember much. I don't know if it was just really uneventful or if I'm just mentally blocking it out because, you know, sometimes it could be difficult. But I do remember, you know, they're, they're all lovely young women, but they definitely had three distinct personalities. I do remember mood swings and lots of rolling eyes. And I can say that honestly, because I did the exact same thing with my mom. And in fact, some days I still do. But for the most part, we just sort of moved through the years together a day at a time. Honestly, it was the high school years that were a little bit more difficult because as they are supposed to, they were learning to spread their wings and assert their independence. And that's when more of the issues happened where I had to, you know, be a little bit more strict. In fact, one of our favorite methods was removing the door to their bedroom when things got a little tough. And that usually worked, <laughs> to say the least. Because <laughs> I, I know I've heard from parents and other caregivers that, you know, you recognize that they are going to be independent or interdependent one day, hopefully. But we go from this stage of they're dependent upon their parental unit for so much when they're younger. And they even look up to like, I want to be like you or, you know, I would always be with you. And then this transition and it, depending upon the child, it could start fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh, that they're more like, I don't want to hang out with you so much. And I want to hang out with more of my peers. And they create those social connections. They're supposed to test because they have to figure out this independence because usually when you raise a child, they're going to be out on their own one day and you have to allow that to happen, but there's going to be some friction. So yes. is there anything that you recommend for how do you first just build a foundation for having boundaries and dealing with that moodiness? Yeah, you know, it actually starts when our kids are much younger. And if there are parents listening to your podcast right now where your kids are older, it's not too late. But really, it starts from the very beginning, starting at birth, you talked about that before, you know, when you're changing diapers, and you're talking about their body parts and labeling, you're already starting that communication, that idea of we can talk about things that other people might think are embarrassing, but they're not. That's just part of, again, being human. So you start there building that level of trust. And then make sure as your kids are growing when they're little, that you're engaged and that you're present in their life. And I know we're all really, really busy and we have a gazillion things. Kids are pulling us in all directions. And I think COVID taught us that, oh my gosh, there's so much happening. But really take a minute. This, this is, Your kids are the future of the world and your own future show interest in what your kids are doing. And, but not only that share with them, your hobbies and your interests, it, it helps build the foundation for everyday conversation and you're building trust. You're not just there as the parent telling them what to do, eat your vegetables, make your bed, doing all this. You're actually sharing life experiences with one another. So you're building this wonderful foundation again of trust. And as you move on, be honest, honest and open with your kids about all kinds of topics. You know, we often think that our kids are too young or they want to understand about certain things, but it's okay to bring it down to their level. It tells them that what you, you understand that what they think matters. As kids get older, they do start to become more independent as we talked about, which as we just said, they have to. If they're going to grow up to be self-sufficient adults, they have to get this independence. And that's your job as a parent is to step back and watch them go 
with guidance, with guidance. I but yet too, Kim, I think mm-hmm. another, you know, I know that the podcast is on some sexual health stuff with puberty and all, but another topic that I support parents and other caregivers talking to their children about is even money stuff. Because I think Ooh. we're not always very honest about that topic. And I know a lot of financial experts say, even allow your child to start figuring out having an allowance that they have to do some things, some chores around the house because it's part of the community. And so to me, talking honestly about, yeah, we, this is what we do as a parental unit. We have this job, we're bringing money and this is how we spend it on the house. So they can start having a respect for it and that relationship. And I think that also helps with the trust. I think you're right. I think that's a really, really good point. We were pretty honest with our kids about money too. We had a lot of conversations about it, um, but you're right. That's part of growing into an adult and you have to have those conversations. And like you said, you're bringing them into the family conversation. It's not a deep secret. You know, this is something that you are building again, the foundation of trust. And I'm making that very clear because trust is huge in my opinion. Well, one thing I did too was, Oh, when my kids were really little, this thing came out, the 41 developmental assets of, I don't know, successful kids or something. And I read that and it was like my, my Bible, my parenting Bible. And one of the things it said in there that really struck with stuck, struck me was about education. And I, we, I'm very academic oriented to me. That was a goal and everybody's different, but for me, I wanted to make sure my kids excelled academically, or at least, you know, were successful in their own, in their, in the best that they could be. So I volunteered in the schools starting from the very first PTO. I did it all, started from secretary to president. I ended up working in the schools as a nurse, as a teacher, you name it, but not necessarily in my kids' classroom. In fact, very rarely. I wanted them to understand that education was important, not just for them, but for everybody. And so they would see me in the halls and they would say hi. But I do believe that that was a way for me to get engaged in their world but still letting them have their independence and, and exert their own growth and, and whatever. So, yeah. So that's another idea of parents are trying to figure out how do I get in there to help build this foundation of trust, build them up, you know, volunteer in the schools perhaps, or in some activity that they're involved in, but it doesn't have to be directly with them just so that they know that you're there. In which what you just referred to reminded me of the search Institute. So if you heard me clicking a little bit, I wanted to make sure I can get to it online. They have a list of 40 developmental assets that is free to download. It's the searchinstitute.org. They are in the state of Minnesota. So anybody listening in, a younger person, a parent or caregiver, feel free to check it out because there's even family conversation starters there to help you talk about different things lead us to the conversation about how do you start building this foundation, like more about the decision-making and sexual health? How do you recommend families build on that? I mean, certainly what you're saying is you're younger, we use the terminology for body parts and we, mm-hmm. we start where, you know, hey, you're going to have this happen as you're going through these changes of puberty. Most children do. How about as they get a little bit more advanced, because I know some children they're going through this transition of from elementary school to middle school, which they can be exposed to more messages. And that's part of growing up and then going into high school. And then you just turn on the TV or the internet and you see so many things. How can 
families have honest conversations about what they see regarding sexuality? Great question. So as we mentioned before, you've built this foundation of trust. If you don't have that, it's going to be really hard. You can't just jump in all of a sudden. You have to have had these conversations and build this relationship. You don't just go up to a stranger and start talking about that stuff. So you've done, let's say you've done the homework because otherwise they're going to look at you funny. They're, they're not going to listen to you. So you built this up, you built this foundation. So now you're there. So just generally speaking, we talk about, you know, a lot of people are worried that they have to have the great big sex talk. Well, I'm here to tell you, as all of us other sex professionals are going to tell you, that doesn't exist. It's not, there's no such thing. Get that out of your head. Not happening. Instead, it's a series of little conversations. And like you just mentioned, Lori, you know, there are things on on the media, TV, music, all different places where things pop up all the time. Even the news, you know, we've had all kinds of interesting news stories that are great segues into conversation. The key is to keep it short. No lectures. Nobody wants to, nobody wants a lecture as I'm lecturing you right now. Nobody wants a lecture. Um, but they want conversation or they just want to, the kids might just want to hear your ideas. For example, um, you see something on TV, such as an awkward kiss. It's an opportunity to say something like, you know, I wonder, did, do you think they consented to that kiss? Was that a consensual kiss? Do you think, what do you think? Or say something like, oh, I remember my first awkward kiss. And you might share a little bit about that. We don't need details, but you know, you might want to share a little bit about that. You laugh, you share a little antidote. You know, it does teach that the parents are human and that awkwardness is completely normal and it's okay to laugh about some of these things. So you want to keep a sense of humor about it. You want to use everyday things that you see to bring in the conversation because respect and consent, generally speaking, is what my platform is, what I tend to talk about. It's an everyday thing. It's may I share your cookie? May I do this? And you build on those small skills when your kids are little so that when it comes to may I kiss you, it, it's still going to be awkward, but you know it's got to be done. So those are the conversations that we have in there. So take advantage of teachable moments and do keep your conversation short and to the point and do it in the car. That's the best place. I know we've heard this before, but they're captive that door shut and they're not going anywhere. So you can just do a little one liner. Oh, that song. Oh, I just heard that. What do you think that means? Little banter done. Let it go. So they know that you're there, that you're in tune. You're, you're listening. You want to hear, you want to get the conversation, but you're not going to be that parent that digs in so deep. In which I know even getting something like an email about what's new on Netflix or something like that, certain things appear and it's a great time to go, okay, let's talk about this. Cause I know there's a newer program and I, I was intrigued. I was like, let me see this. And there's a part of it that's like, are they trying to get attention because they're showing more body parts? I get thrown with, you know, we're not seeing that conversation. If they're going to engage in physical contact, physical intimacy, I'm not seeing the conversation of, Hey, what protection are we going to use? You know, what's going to happen afterwards? I don't see that. And it's just something that to bring up with young people, like, what do you think about that? Because the reality is you're not seeing all the other stuff that goes on, which is why I created that talk app. I love that you said talk. Mm -hmm. It's not a one-time thing. Talk is a verb. And those of you that are listening, if you don't know, there's the Talk Puberty app that actually helps guide conversations. There's a question with simple answers for most sections. And then there's the Talk Before Sex app. 
And there's no answers there, but there's a whole bunch of resources. We're trying to debate if we should put answers in because the purpose of that app is to create a conversation. And it is a cost because I don't want, it's $1.99 because if it was for free, inappropriate things can appear and we have no control over that. So we created it though for people to sit down and talk about the questions there because it is meant to be continuous conversations because even as Kim can attest with her children and within her life that you don't just have a a one-time conversation, things are going to keep on coming up, whether or not it even be a, a health condition, a health challenge, something like that. And I have to point out, I don't know if Kim, if you realize I I looked at your website recently, you created a guide for adults called Let's Talk About Consent on your Teen Confidential website. So Mm -hmm. why did you pick this topic and why now? The consent topic? Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like when you're in the classroom, you're teaching, you're teaching consent, but at least when I was in the classroom several years ago before things were fortunately improving, we talked a lot about just the facts, you know, birth control, STIs, all the stuff, you know, all the sciencey stuff, which I love, but it wasn't enough. You know, you can Google that stuff. You can't Google life skills, like understanding consent and feeling respect for another person and all these things. These are things that you learn from your parents, that you learn from your environment, your community. And those things matter. I think if you get the baseline of that perspective of consent, then the rest, when it comes to sexuality, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's probably easier because you have a different perspective. My, My hope and my dream in this perfect world is that will help curb sexual assault. You know, individuals who feel they need to assault somebody else will actually stop for a minute and go, wait, this, this is wrong. Granted, it's a pipe dream because not everybody's going to be like that, but I do think it can really make some change for a lot of people when they understand this isn't right. This is not, this is not right. And another thing I talk a lot about is being an upstander as opposed to a bystander. So If you see something that's happening to somebody else, and uh, I know I'm being gender specific here, but if a young man sees another young man assaulting another person, step in, step in, or young women, step in. That's not right. And that's part of this whole consent thing and, and understanding that it's our job to protect other humans. And consent to me is that bottom line, that bottom piece, that's what we build on. And that's why I focused on that. And I think it's something you can teach from day one. It's not something you just jump in about what's birth control where you you don't jump into that till your kids are older, but consent, you start from birth and you can do that. It's not that hard. And it's bringing attention to like when somebody treats you a certain way, your body will give you a message, like something feels weird and have to understand my stomach feels weird or I feel yucky or whatever it is, it's using that language so they can be empowered because I think that how things were even 50 years ago about things happened. And if it happened to you, it's your fault. Yes. Now we're transitioning to wait a minute, this is inappropriate behavior. And how do we do this? Because we still, in my eyes, still need to strengthen businesses and systems to support those people who have been harassed, who have been assaulted. They're they're not blamed. And so to empower people, 
to have this conversation. This is my thought. I still see certain things going on at times. And to me, let's, let's communicate effectively. That's why mm-hmm. we do that role playing and health education classes. We do that. How do we, how do we talk about consent? How do we talk with a partner if we're choosing to do anything with our bodies? How do we, all that. It's a communication skill. And that's why the National Health Education Standards are skill-based. No, I think that's great. And I like what you said too. follow your gut feeling, especially little kids. There might not be words, but it just doesn't feel right. You know, you just, you're not comfortable and it's okay to tell mom and dad or a trusted adult. It's okay. And that's a self-management skill. That's standard number seven with the National Health Standards. So it's, and it's teaching those skills. So, um, well, do you have any other recommendations for parents and caregivers or preteens themselves? Well, for both parents and preteens, I'm going to encourage you to keep your sense of humor. You know, <laughs> going through life is, is tough. If we didn't learn anything last year, life is going to throw you some curveballs. You don't even, you can't even expect. And if you can find some humor in it, go for it. You know, make some jokes, make some laughs. Like I said, when I had the experience in high school with my menstrual fluid leaking all over my pants, I was mortified. It wasn't funny, but in the end, it was kind of funny. You know, you have to laugh about things to get through life sometimes. For parents too, again, like we said, keep take advantage of teachable moments. Keep your conversation short and to the point if you can. And then for young people, sense of humor, but remember your parents or your trusted adult in your life, your caregiver, they want to help you. They're not the enemy. They're they're there to help you along in this journey. And they weren't given a handbook either. They're doing the best they can. And they're listening to podcasts and reading the books. But every single child, every single person is unique and individual. And to have a set book, a set guideline for everybody to follow for all kids is silly. It's not going to happen. Everybody's different. So Parents, be be good to yourself. Be, you know, don't worry about it. You got this. And kids, be kind to your parents too, because they don't know what they're doing. So hang in there. And uh, remember, this too shall pass. Awkwardness that young people and even adults experience on occasion is completely normal. Remember, you are normal. You are normal because there's no such thing as completely normal. We're all delightfully unique. Embrace it. And just Go with the flow and and appreciate that in other people too. I think sometimes we get into this, oh, they're weird, whatever. We're all weird. We're all weird and it's okay. Just enjoy it. Everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their weaknesses and embrace both. Respect yourself, embrace that. So Kim, if people want more information from you, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, I would love to hear from anybody. My email address is teenworldconfidential at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you there. Or if you're a professional and would like more information, you can contact me at info at sexeducationalliance.com. And thank you for all the work that you're doing for that organization, that C organization, S-E-A, Sex Mm -hmm. Education Alliance. For that organization, Kim has put that together because she wants collaboration efforts to to occur because there's some of us that are trying to do things. And if we work as a team, we can help each other, you know, support each other. It's not about competition. It's about collaboration. And that's something, again, that we actually teach young people in the health education classroom when it's standard based. 
So I thank you so much for being here today, Kim. Please check out that Teen Confidential website to get that Let's Talk About Consent guidance guide that's available to you. It's a free download there. Uh, Feel free to check out thepubertyprof.com. Find out the information about those apps, the Talk Puberty app and the Talk Before Sex app. And I thank you so much for listening today. Again, Kim, I thank you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And thank you for our listeners. I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.